How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Y'all with me? I'm going to ask you one more time. How are you doing tonight? Good. Now I'm going to do one more thing. Now this is just to make me feel taller. <laughs> I feel better about myself now. <laughs> now, um, actually, I want to um, call somebody out. I did ask his permission, so I uh, made sure I wouldn't embarrass him. But uh, Michael South put on Facebook, so I thought it would be okay to announce it, that uh, he has actually recommitted his life to Christ. Can we give God some glory? I was telling them uh, just as service was starting that um, I've had somebody that I've been praying for for years. Uh, and so that was such an encouragement to see. And uh, he didn't know it, but that ties in perfectly with what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, what I'm going to do first is uh, I want to pray because we're going to read some scripture. I have a, several scriptures for us to go over. And we're going to see how that ties in with exactly what the Lord wants to tell us. So uh, if you don't mind, close your eyes one more time and let's just go to the Lord. God, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for your love. I thank you for the plan that you have for us, God. I thank you that none of us are forgotten. None of us... Uh, are insignificant in your eyes or by mistake. God, I thank you that we have life to celebrate, that we have eternal life to celebrate. And so, God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts now to take in your word. Prepare our hearts, God, to hear what you would have to say to us. God, that we can go out and we can share it with other people. God, that we can go out and we can win the loss to you. We can make disciples for you. And God, I just pray once again, Soften my heart, God. Soften all of our hearts to your word. That we would change, that we would hear it, we'd have ears to hear. God, we'd have a heart to receive. And God, that we would have the will to act on your word. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, so the first scripture we're going to start out with, and they're going to be putting them up on the screen, but uh, it's in Proverbs 3, verse 27. And it says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to act. So in other words, whenever you have the power to act, do it. You know, you see a need that needs to be met, let's meet the need. Uh, the next scripture is James 1.27. Religion that, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, one word that jumped out to me as I began to study this and prepare the message is that word polluted. Uh, one translation says uh, to not be contaminated, to be uncontaminated. And so as I go on and I, I talk tonight, keep in mind that we're not to be polluted by the world. Um, our hearts are not to grow cold or to grow hard toward the things of God by the way that the world reacts. Uh, a lot of times we can grow weary in doing good. As Paul tells us, you know, to be strong and not to grow weary in doing good, but to continue to help others, to continue to preach the gospel. Continue and don't stop. So uh, the next verse is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So 
What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go and make disciples. Jesus leaves this earth with those final words. Go and make disciples. As you are living your life, as if you study that word to go, it's actually as you are living life, as you're doing your business, as you're working, as you're raising your family, as you're doing life, make disciples in everything that you do. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And these things you have heard me say, this is Paul talking to Timothy, And these things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So in other words, I taught you, you teach somebody else who's going to teach somebody else. So we are to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. So you're thinking three or four generations out in everything that we do, in the way we respond to people, in the way that we meet a need, in the way that we teach people. We should be thinking three to four generations out in everything that we do and say. And then we're going to go on to Luke 6, 27 through 31. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. All right, that last part, do to others as you would have them do to you. I want to go back and think about that word polluted. Because I don't know about you, but I've done things for people and it's come back to bite me. They haven't exactly responded the way that I want them to. So my natural reaction is to go back and think as the world thinks and say, okay, I'm going to get you back. You'll pay for that. I promise. I'll, I will get you. I will win in the end. And, and so what we have to do is we have to conform our thinking. We have to renew our minds, as Romans tells us. Renew our minds to the Word of God and begin to think as Christ, not as the world. Now, we're going to look, take a look at the uh, Old Testament here in Judges 6, 12 through 16. And this is where the main part of what I want to talk about tonight comes from. It says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love Gideon's response. Pardon me, my Lord. <laughs> Gideon replied, But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Now, in case you haven't read the story, uh, this story goes from Judges 6 through chapter 7. Uh, I encourage you to, if you've read it a thousand times, go back and read it again. All right? It's so refreshing. Because the way that he responds here, you have to realize that God's people, they're at war and they're losing. It's not looking like, hey, you mighty warrior, you know, stand up. And we're going to see in a minute how Gideon responds again to this. But Gideon's looking at it going, hold on, wait a minute. I've heard the stories of how you delivered the Israelites. I heard the stories of what my grandparents said and their grandparents said. I've heard all this, but I don't see it happening now. And, and so, God, why are you telling me to do these things, but yet I don't see it happening? I only hear of how good you were. So when the, Lord, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all His wonders? 
that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. The title of tonight's message is this, Simple Instructions, Are You Obeying Them? We've had simple instructions laid out. Uh, God uses the least of these, and I don't want you to ever forget that. Look at what Gideon says. We are the weakest clan, and I'm the least in my family. Like In other words, God, I'm the last person of the last person that you need to be calling mighty warrior. And take note of this, that God was patient with him, all right, and he's patient with us, but God did demand a response. First, he calls a mighty warrior, and then by the end of it, you, you don't hear the Lord responding to him like, no, listen to me, let me explain. No, let me tell you who you are. He just says, go, I'm going to be with you. And he demands the response for Gideon to get up and go. And so a lot of times we come at God and we say, well, God, I'm the least in my family. I'm the last one that you could choose. I mean, look at my past. I mean, look at who I used to be. Yeah, you saved me from a lot, but there's no way I could do that. There's no way I can do what you're calling me to do. God's just looking at you going, I'm going to be with you. I'm glad you're going. You know, I'm, I'm going to be right there with you every step of the way. God calls us as He sees us, not by how we view ourselves, or how others view us. God views us as mighty warrior. God didn't care how everybody else looked to Gideon. God wasn't worried about what others were going to think about Gideon. God looked at him and called him as he saw him, and that is mighty warrior. We quote the scripture a lot of times, you know, God has good plans for you, you know, and, and God's going to do great things. And, and you hear all these these scriptures that are quoted, and a lot of times we don't realize that we're still viewing ourselves as what our parents said, or our grandparents, or a friend, or you know the way we got treated in school. And, and so we see ourselves in light of what other people have told us, and we're not listening to what God has said. No, you're a mighty warrior. I've called you for such time as this. So... If you feel unqualified, unprepared, unachieved, underprivileged, or unwhatever, you fill in the blank, you're a perfect candidate for God. Amen. That's who He likes to use. Look, look at the Scripture. Look from Genesis to Revelation who God chooses to use. It's, it's every time it's the person who says, there's no way you can use me because of my past. There's no way you can use me because of this weakness. There's no way you can use me because of what I've been through. You know? And God looks and that's the very person that He uses. Those are the people that He uses to build His kingdom. Alright? So, you're in a great place to be used by God whenever you go through that. If you will listen... He will speak to you and tell you what to do. Here's the thing. God's always speaking. The question is, are we ever listening? I, I, I had that conversation with my father-in-law just the other day. We were talking and, 
And uh, we're talking about, you know, we hear people all the time, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. I ain't heard God say that. I, I just, I'm not sure. And the thing is, is God's always speaking. We just have to stop and listen. We have to be still long enough to hear His voice. And where I'm going with this message tonight is, is I, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but Pastor Chad likes to say it like this, you know, if you have a truck with no power steering, if you keep the truck rolling, you can turn it a lot easier. You can't turn the steering wheel very good if it's sitting still, okay? And so <clears throat> what I would like to say is get moving. Get to doing something. If you're not hearing from God, stop, read His Word, and then whenever you get an idea, start going toward that. If God says no, then stop it. He's, he's going to turn you in a different direction. But get to moving. So maybe you've been asking without hearing and, and without getting the answers because you're not studying His Word. You know, get into the Word of God. Start caring for the orphans and widows. That's a good place to start. Find a widow. You don't know what to do? Find a widow. Find an orphan. And get involved in their life. Start helping them out. Do things. You know, be there physically for them. Be there spiritually for them. Encourage them during that time. And if you physically can't help an orphan or widow, find somebody who is helping an orphan and widow and assist them. Ask them, what can I do to make this easier for you while you, while you help these people? So start caring for orphans and widows. Uh, I don't know. Adopt a child. You know? <laughs> go, go into foster care. Uh, you find something that you can do. I, I, I mean... I know it sounds crazy, but James 127 does tell us that we're to take care of orphans and widows. So, like, go through the process of fostering or go through the process of adopting a child whenever you're in that process and God says, hey, what are you doing? I have not called you to this. This is what I want you to go, like, just work in the nursery a few times a year, you know? Oh, God, that's a lot easier than adopting a child. I'll take the nursery a couple times a year. You know, I'm being kind of funny, but seriously, get out and do something. I, uh, I'll say this. I'll tell a quick story about me and Rachel and our family. A few years ago, we went through the fostering process. Uh, went through the classes, did everything we are supposed to do. Just knew, man, we're called to foster. We are ready. We went through the whole process, and after the 10 weeks and the classes, uh, had everything under control, ready to go. And something came up, and we couldn't foster. Well, my goodness, I, I just knew God had called us to, to foster. What, what is going on? Why are we not able to do that? What, what's happening here? Then we get a phone call, not too long after that, to come to church out in Woodstock to New Life. And since then, we see, okay, if we had... And by the way, let me, let me be very transparent. The house we were in, I had no problem with signing up to foster with Rachel because I knew like every bedroom was full at our house in Pleasant Grove. So I knew the child had to have a bedroom. I'd done my background check. I'd done, I done checked this thing out, what it takes. And so Rachel says... I think I want to foster. You know what? I think that's a great idea. Let's go through classes. No problem at all. And then God, with his sense of humor, sends us to Woodstock to a house with five bedrooms. And <laughs> so uh, fast forward about three years, and um, I come by the church one day, and Rachel 
had just started back up. You know, maybe we're supposed to foster. Yeah, maybe so, you know. I'm looking around going, well, we got an extra bedroom. Uh, we need to pray about it. So I came by the church one day, and I stopped in, and uh, Pastor Ted said, oh, guess who just called? I said, who? He said, Bibb County DHR. They're having foster parenting classes. This and that. I said, man, don't tell me that. Are you for real? He said, yeah. So that's how it all worked out with me and Rachel fostering because here's the other thing. The people we went through before lost all of our information, everything. There's no documentation that we ever went through those classes. That was like a waste of 10 weeks of my life. But I mean, I did learn some stuff there, but it was, uh, they lost everything. And so it worked out. We had to go back through the classes again. But the point is, is start moving. It wasn't time for us to foster in Pleasant Grove, but God was preparing us the whole way. God was preparing us for everything that was about to take place. So I guess the question that I want to ask you tonight is, what are you doing? What are you doing to further the kingdom of God? I mean, simply put, we've been told three things in Scripture that are commands that you do these three things. One, by Jesus, you, you make disciples. Who make disciples, who make disciples. Paul then backs that up whenever he's talking to Timothy and he goes, think three or four generations out on making disciples. All right? Then if you follow that up with James, we know to take care of orphans and widows. So what I want to encourage you with tonight is, I don't know where you've been in, in life, or where you're at, or what you used to do, or what you feel called to do. But what I want to encourage you with is, I think sometimes we get so caught up in waiting to hear God give us the calling, and He's already given it to us. And if we start moving in that direction, whatever that may look like for you, as you start moving that direction, the calling becomes clear. You begin to see, hold on, wait a minute. This isn't the timing. Or... It's not exactly this, but it's this over here. It's assisting somebody, you know. Uh, so you can begin to see. But here, here's the thing. The point, the point that I'm trying to make is that we must think outside of ourselves and our little world and start doing something bold for the kingdom of God. Because Satan is doing bold things for the kingdom of hell. Satan is not playing. I see it every single week with our kids. I see it through the foster care system, the HR. Uh, I see it in being a children's pastor and talking to other children's pastors and different things that kids are going through. Satan is not playing. And it, we cannot take lightly what God has called us to do. You do not know whenever you get involved in a child's life or a widow's life, you do not know how that's going to affect for generations to come. You do not know what kind of impact that's going to have. I mean, like, this even makes me sick to even talk about it. But, like, killing babies now is everyday talk. Abortion is, is everyday talk. You know, and, and it's happening every single day. And this generation that's coming up, I mean, I literally get the question, what's wrong with it? 
Like, I don't understand. Like, they're not trying to be ugly, not trying to be mean about it. They're not trying to be, uh, you know, heartless about it. It's a legitimate question. I don't understand what, what the big deal is. I mean, that's how Satan is fighting right now. That's where we are. This is not just talk of where we're headed. We're there now. We have to get serious now in helping orphans and widows and showing how God works through us and that God has a plan for each and every person. No matter what your background is or what your home life was or anything else, God has a plan. We cannot sit on the sidelines and talk about how good God is. I mean, here, look at Gideon, the story of Gideon. These... Gideon is sick and tired of hearing the stories. He's sick and tired of hearing, okay, I heard what my ancestors have said. I've heard about how good you were, but I don't see you now. Where are you now? I don't understand. I've heard about how you delivered us from Egypt. I've heard about how we got here, but all I see right now is my people dying. All I see is my people being slaughtered. How good are you? Now, this is what Gideon's saying. Thank God that God did not let Gideon have the last word. God said, hold on, and he explained to him, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go out and you're going to conquer. You're going to go out and you are going to change this nation. And the first thing you're going to do is start tearing down idols. You're going to reform, reshape the way people worship. Something that got to me in studying this is if I never spoke a word with anybody by the way I live my life, because everything we do should be worship to God, not three songs on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. But every, everything I do, whether it's running my landscape company, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's foster care, whether it's adopting a child, whether it's taking care of an orphan or whatever it may be, cut, cutting an orphan's grass, whatever it is, whatever God's called me to do, Am I changing the way people worship God by the way I worship God? You know, and, and that's real sobering to think about. Or whenever the world looks at me, do they say, oh, that's a good businessman. Oh, yeah, that, that was a very wise decision, yeah. Because I can promise you this, if the world is looking at me and telling me I'm wise, I'm probably not doing everything I'm supposed to do. Because the things that I do should make the world stop and go, Wait a minute, you do what? Why do you do that? I don't understand. That's not the way that you're supposed to do it. I do not understand. Explain to me, and that's our chance to explain why we live the way we live. I know this is a very simple message tonight. I know it's not very deep, but I really feel like it's something that God has told us and that God is telling us is to, you know what? Change the way people worship by the way that you live, by the way that you treat others, by the way that they see your love, by the way they see you love me. Change the way that they, that they worship me. Change the way that they view me. All right, so we have a generation that's out here now that wants to know about the deliverance of God. They've heard all the stories. They've heard all the preaching, but they need to see it. So we need to answer the call of God. In most cases, we answer the call of God by fulfilling the need that is right in front of us, not waiting on knowing exactly the next step to take. I mean, we, we call it walking by faith. 
you know. And uh, I, I just kind of got tickled because I thought about a little meme I seen earlier in the week where a preacher's poking the guy's eyes. He said, we walk by faith and not by sight, and he's poking the guy's eyes. Anyway, sorry. I got tickled whenever I said that. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, step out in faith. Start doing something. Start doing something a little bit different. Uh, you can drive a church bus. You can work in nursery. You can head up preschool class, provide a meal, buy a tank of gas for someone. Actually look at the drug addict in the eye and encourage them. You know, and that's tough for me. I mean, I, if I'm being transparent, that's tough for me because I want to look at the drug addict and say, man, get it together. People are trying to help you. You know, just, just straighten up. It's time to grow up. It's time to quit. But what I'm seeing is how patient God is with people. And thank God He did not do that with me. With my pride. With my arrogance. With the way that I'm impatient with people. Thank God He's patient with me. Teach a Sunday school class. Lead a connect group. Clean a house for someone. Wash some laundry for a clothing closet. Send a scripture to someone. Write a letter of encouragement. In short, we take care of orphans and widows and we tell others to follow us as we follow Christ. I've heard it said by so many, and I know people are trying to be humble and say, don't follow me, follow Jesus. Well, I would encourage you, if anybody ever says that, don't follow them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> They're telling you the truth. We should be able to look people in the eye and say, you know what? I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to do things wrong. And I'm, you're going to see me repent and have to get up and move on. But follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me every step of the way because I'm following Him as hard as I can. And if we can't look people in the eye and tell them that, we need to get on our knees and repent. I want to tell a quick story. Um, well, two quick stories about whenever we was doing bus ministry at another church. Um, and I'm already about to cry, so... <laughs> I don't tell these stories very often. I don't think I ever have from the pulpit. But uh, just to kind of talk about how answering the call can make a difference in someone's life. Rachel and I were uh, at Gary Wood. We've been serving there for a few years. <clears throat> and the bus ministry, that was having a few problems with it. Okay, Things wasn't running exactly smoothly and, and right. And um, <clears throat> that's no knock on who was doing it. They were doing the best they could with what they had, okay? But it, it was, uh, in short, about to be shut down. Some things were happening and kids just running wild. And, oh, it, it hit me. Now, we were in children's ministry. I was at the place where, man, I know I'm doing what God's called me to do. Y'all need to get it right. I'm out of here, you know. I, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And uh, it hit me between the eyes one night. Pray for those kids. Taught, what have you done? If those kids don't get to come back to this church, what did you do to stand up for them? They cannot speak for themselves and they're not being taught and you're just going to sit back and let it happen. So me and Rachel taught, went in, long story short, had a meeting, got to continue the bus ministry, went very well. We started out with seven kids. Uh, those seven kids captured our hearts. 
we went in, we picked them up, went into the projects in Bessemer, we got them. Um, and this was all started, by the way, this was started by one man who had a vision, okay? He's the one that started bringing these kids. That's who it started with. It didn't start with me. It started with somebody else answering the call and filling his car up so much that it was literally <laughs> a hazard. And I had talked to him and I said, look, man, you're doing a great job, but we got to do something different. You can't be having kids sitting on top of each other, laying across each other in the back. I mean, they come in literally, feet would be hanging out the back. I mean, I'm not exaggerating that. It was, it was pretty funny. But I said, man, we can't do that. We're going to have to do something a little bit different. So anyway, we had, we had these seven kids whenever Rachel and I started doing it. And man, they captured our heart. We talked about respect. That was number one thing. You respect God and you respect others. And that, that's what we do. So we went on with that. Well, long story short, we get in and we have this boy come in and uh, everybody called him Q, okay? Uh, Quintavious was his name. But everybody called him Q. So Q come in and, oh, he had an attitude, man. I mean, an attitude. And uh, he, he would come in, just pitch a fit, and just, he was big and bad, taller than me, which wasn't saying much, and I told him that. You know, he was like nine. And uh, <laughs> uh, I said, man, I said, you've got to calm down. Well, one particular Sunday, this boy was pitching a fit. I mean, just... I'm talking about just cussing, hollering, just disrupting the service. And uh, Pastor Wendy looked at me. She said, you're going to have to take him out, go talk to him. So I took him out. Me and Rachel took him out, went downstairs. Well, this was Mother's Day, all right? So long story short, we find out after he's done, called us everything but a child of God, uh, we found out that his mother uh, had died. Last thing he heard was... I don't want you. You're the reason I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Those are the last words for Mama, and he's gone. So this is Mother's Day. Now I can understand why this boy is pitching such a fit. Because in Sunday school, we'd all made Mother's Day cards. You know, he didn't have a mama to give it to. So uh, we gone through the whole whole story of um, you know about how God still loves you and He still has a plan for you, this and that. And he's just so angry. And then he just, I mean, it was like the power of God hit him, and he just broke. And um, just such a release for him. And as we go on, um, Rachel got involved with the school, got involved with trying to help him out and trying to help him work through his emotions. Uh, because he's bad about fighting, bad about, you know, just wanting to fight with everybody, just anger, just anger, so much anger built up. So Rachel got involved with the school, and um, we, we ended up, over the course of that year, uh, really working with him, praying for him, talking to him. And these kids, whenever I say we loved on these kids, man, they came to our house. They ate dinner with us. I didn't plan on telling all this, so it's not going to be as short as I said. Sorry. <laughs> but, but you have to understand, these were our kids, you know. We brought them to our house, set them around the table. And I broke one night whenever we're sitting there, and we'd only bring them in two, like, two at a time, two or three at a time. And we brought a brother and a sister in. And this boy sat at my kitchen table and just started crying. And I said, what, what is it? I said, what's going on, buddy? You know, what, 
what, is, what just happened? You want to go home? You homesick? What? He said, I've always wondered what this was like. I said, what? What are you talking about? He said, sitting at the dinner table together as a family. He said, we have never actually done that. Something that simple. And that's what I want to get across tonight is it's nothing major. It's nothing big. It may just be a meal. It might be something very that we see as insignificant that changes somebody's life. So anyway, you follow on throughout the next year. Next year, he's giving Rachel. I mean, he's loving Mother's Day. He's told us for three months exactly when Mother's Day is happening. And he's getting Rachel something. And of course, she still has, she, he made her a little birdhouse and uh, made the little door on it with a cue on it. It looked real cool. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Now, I don't know where he's at today, but I'll tell you this. I know he heard, he heard the Word of God. He heard the Gospel. He got to see it lived out in front of him. And he got to see how the world treated him and how the church treated him. And, you know, and here's the thing I had to explain because we had some people in the church who, and, and I talked to those people, I'm not saying anything I haven't already talked to those people about, but they were rude. They were rude to the kids, and quite frankly, the kids were rude to them. And so the adults responded with, we don't, we don't need y'all. We don't need you here anyway. You know, and I didn't blame the adults for that. Um, and, and if you saw everything they were doing, you would kind of understand why they would feel that way, the adults would. But it's like I, told, like I told the bus kids, I said, listen, let me tell you something. I said, people don't understand the potential you have because you haven't shown it. You know, people in the church, and I told them, I said, people in the church are going to hurt you and people in the world are going to hurt you. Okay? Because you're still dealing with people. The question is not if people are going to hurt me. The question is how do I respond whenever people hurt me? You know, and we respond to the Word of God. We answer to that. So I know those are things that he heard. And then this is, this is really the story I want to tell. All right, so we had an... <laughs> Sylvia understands. I sat in her office. <laughs> I jumped sometimes. All right, but this is a story I want to tell. And um, this is about a little boy that I don't even remember his name. That's how much he meant to me. And... Uh, <laughs> He really didn't mean a lot. I don't remember his name. But I, I do remember what happened in his life. He started getting on the bus, and this kid was good, I mean, from the get-go. I told him, I said, buddy, you get to ride right and sit right behind me. I like you. Me and you are going to become friends. So he would always sit right behind me, man. We would go to church. He gets on the bus one day, and he's just, oh, you know, so angry. I said, What's wrong? Nothing. I don't want to talk. I said, well, I don't care if you want to talk. You're going to talk. What's, what's going on? No, nothing. I don't want to talk. I heard that all the way to church, almost all the way to church. And finally he said, my mama shot her boyfriend. I said, okay. I said, that's not good. He said, no. And he, he began to cry. He said, I don't know what's going to happen. He said, they went to so and told the place they went. Uh, it was all over drugs, of course. And he said, she was trying to shoot her cousin and shot the boyfriend instead and paralyzed him, shot him in the neck. He's paralyzed. Mom's going to prison. Long story short. Man, I, what do you say? I mean, what? I've never been through anything like that. I told him, I said, well, look, buddy, I said, those... 
nothing I can say that's going to help that. There's nothing I can say that's going to change the situation other than the things we tell you every single week. God is with you. And God will use this for His glory in some way, somehow, if you allow it. That little boy began to pray. He began to pray right there. He, he looked at Rachel and he said, uh, Miss Rachel, can, can we pray? Yeah, we're going to pray now, buddy. We began to pray. The next Sunday, his mom walks out of the house and she said, can I get on the bus? I said, well, there's a rule that if you're over 12, you can't get on the bus. And she said, I need to get on the bus. Can I get on the bus? I said, well, I guess some rules are meant to be broken. I said, get on the bus. That, that's fine. So she gets on the bus and she don't know what all he's told us. She kind of thinks he's told us something. So she's sitting all nervous and everything. And I looked over at her and said, you don't have to be nervous. I said, you know, we're just going to church, worship Jesus. You know, nothing to be nervous about. And... uh she said, okay, well, we get on church. We go to Sunday school. We sit in Sunday school with her. And uh, the lesson, man, it, you could tell was orchestrated. God was speaking straight to her. We go to church. Pastor Loper's preaching. He doesn't even finish. I mean, he has is, he is just finished. He doesn't even open the altars up. And she's sitting beside me and my wife, and I mean, she takes off to the altar. She's gone. And... Uh, Got done, we get back on the bus, we prayed for her, get back on the bus. And she said, uh, thank you. And I mean, just tears flowing. She said, thank you. She said, I'm headed to prison, I know where I'm going. She said, I don't know if he's told you everything. I said, yeah, he told us some stuff. And she said, uh, well, and she told me the whole story. And I said, yeah, that's pretty much what he told us. And she said, all of it's true. She said, I know I'm going to prison. She said, I've run from God. For years, She said, I knew who God was as a child. I spent time with God. I read His Word. She said, but I've run for years. And this is where my life's ended up. And she said, but the one thing I can say, she said, and you might not ever hear about it, but she said, I can promise you this. She said, I'm going to allow God to use me in the prison system. She said, I will still be used by God. And she said, she looked and she hugged me and, me and Rachel both whenever she got off the bus. And she said, let me tell you. She said, if you've not been picking my kid up and the kids in this neighborhood up, she said, I do not know where I would be. Now I know I have hope. I know I have eternal life. And I know God's going to use me in the midst of my mistakes and everything I've done wrong so that other women can know that God still loves them and He still has a plan for them. Amen. Now, none of, none of that has been to boast about me and Rachel because I promise you, I could mess it up in a second, okay? This is all to bring glory to God and to encourage you. Whatever need you see that needs to be met, Start meeting it until God says stop. I never dreamed a year, year and a half ago that we'd be adopting, okay? I never dreamed. Got four kids. We've, we're happy, okay? Life is very good. We're at a good church in a good community with great kids and life is great. But there's a need. And we began to follow, 
followed that, what, I'd say a calling, I'm not even going to call it a calling, began to follow that need, and then God begins to say, this is what you're supposed to do. Continue. There's been other times where there's been a need, and we've started to walk through that, and God said, what are you, what, are you stupid? <laughs> what are you doing? Chris, and usually, usually it comes through the voice of Rachel. Chris, are you? What are you doing? You know, <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm not signing up for that. But the point is, start moving. That we have needs right here in this community, in, in this church. I mean, I I really appreciate our congregation and our pastor for the way that he leads us with the community closet. By the way, the bus ministry is this close to getting started right here. Um, I'm, I'm like one phone call away from the bus ministry happening, one meeting away from getting the food supplied for our um, pantry, food pantry. So there's, there's places where we have needs here that you can start fulfilling. If, you've, you know, if you see something, start moving toward it. We have a nursery that needs, that's a need that needs to be met. Start moving toward that. If God says, you're not good with kids. Get, what are you doing? Don't ever sign up for that. Then don't sign up. You know, <laughs> cook a meal, you know. But, but until God says, no, I like what Francis Chan says. I'm ending with this. Francis Chan put it like this. He said, God's already given us the instructions. We just start fulfilling the instructions until God says, what are you doing? Like, stop. That's not what I'm telling you to do. Like, we shouldn't be sitting down and going, God, I'm waiting for you to call me. I'm waiting for my calling. Whenever you speak to me and give me my calling, man, I'm going to do it. As soon as I hear from you, as soon as I see the light and hear the voice from heaven, I am going to answer that call. No, you've already got the calling right here in the Word. Take care of orphans, widows, make disciples. Start doing that. And then whenever God says to do something else, then you move and do it. But He's already laid it out plain and simple in His Word. Let's pray.